Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. All right. There is an, um, a youth event that happens every September. Um, does anybody know what I'm talking about just by saying that? No? Um, Okay, it's, so it's, it's, a, it's a national youth event. It's been going on since the early 90s. It's called See You at the Pole. Um, yeah, I, I got that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and, and uh, the idea behind it, it's a time when students gather around the flagpole before school starts to pray for the school, pray for their classmates, their families, their teachers, whatever. Um, and, 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 and it's a good idea with, you know, it's a good event with, good, with a good idea behind it. Um, and it's nice because it's supposed to be student-led and student-initiated and stuff like that. Um, now, uh, when I'd only been a Christian for, for a few months, um, when I attended my, my, my first See You at the Pole event, um, and, and it happens before school. And uh, so, you know, I heard about it at church and I was like, I'm gonna go to this, right? Because I wanna pray for my school. Because I was a new Christian, I was all like fire, and uh, so. But because it happens before school, um, the buses weren't running then, so I had to wake up extra early to walk to school. Um, and uh, I just actually I checked my routes on maps, um, so it was uh, four point three miles. So I walked four point three miles before school to get there. Um, you know, I woke up really early because I was committed to pray for my school. <clears throat> and after a long walk in the early morning cold. I get there and no one is there. No one is there. So I think, well, maybe I'm early. So I stand by the flagpole and I wait. And no one is there. And, and, and eventually, um, people start arriving at school. Um, I even saw some kids I knew, knew that were Christians, you know, from youth group or whatever, um, that, like coming into the school. But nobody came to the pole with me. And I thought to myself, what is going on? Am I the only Christian at Chugiak High School? Am I the only, because this is at Chugiak, um, am I the only person that's willing to stand up for Jesus at this school? And time kept passing. And eventually, there's only a few minutes before school started, and I'm there by myself. And so I'm like, I'm going to pray. So I, I lifted up my arms, right? I lifted them up really big, and I really prayed loud for my school because um, I wanted everyone to know that I cared, that I was for Jesus, and I was willing to face any testing or persecution that would come my way, right? I'm going to take a public stand for Jesus. And uh, just a note, that's not what it's supposed to be about, right? Um, <laughs> it's supposed to be about praying, and um, the flagpole is just an easy location for people to gather. Um, but I turned it into a spectacle, and no one joined me. So, um, but I was out there by myself, loud praying, and uh, you know the bell rang, and so I was like, okay, I guess I'm done, and I went to get my stuff for class. And when I went to the locker, to my locker, I saw my friend Dan. Dan was, a, was, was the person that invited me to the Youth for Christ event where, where I gave my life to Christ. And um, he asked, he said, what were you doing out there? And I said, I, I was there for see you at the pool. And he let me know that I showed up a day early. 
<laughs> um, the event is always on a Wednesday. I showed up on a Tuesday, and uh, and you know he knew what I was doing out there. Um, but he thought it was funny to see me acting the martyr uh, at school. Um, now, now in my heart, I had good intentions. I had really good intentions. I, I, I but I kind of turned this time that's supposed to be about prayer into a spectacle. Um, and I made it about demonstrating my own commitment and character um, rather than communing with God. Uh, I spent all my energy making myself good, praying out loud for everybody to hear me. And I didn't leave any space to hear the voice of God. I didn't give any prompt room to, for the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And ultimately, that time ended up being more about me than about anything that God was doing. Uh, we're in week five of a six-week series called Deeply Rooted. Uh, this series is about prayer and how through prayer we're rooted and, rooted and connected to God and his kingdom work. In the first week, it was about praying effectively. Then it was about praying for our needs. We went over the Lord's Prayer. Then we talked about praying for deliverance. And then two weeks ago, uh, we talked about praying for people. And then last week we had to pause because uh, both Christy and I were out of town. Uh, this week, our topic is praying to hear God. So we're going to start um, with a little bit of Jesus' teaching about prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, verses 5 through 8. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. It's like talking right to me. Uh, Truly I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray... Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. Now, uh, Jesus' words demonstrate a very different picture of uh, prayer than what I demonstrated as a young believer. And uh, so Jesus Jesus, uh, told the people, and he was addressing, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, um, the crowd, two ways not to pray. He told them not to pray like hypocrites. Right, and and doing so, he gave some example of hypocrites. Hypocrites are people standing on the street corners, praying loudly in public, um, hoping that people would notice them. And that would be me as a teenager, um, trying to de- demonstrate my holiness and devotion to God by praying pl- loudly in public. But the other type of hypocrite he, he mentions are people that prayed in the synagogue. Oh, right, right. Um, and synagogues is a place of worship. Um, that's where the Jews gathered together to, to worship explicitly, explicitly to read scripture and to pray. All right. He's like, oh, he said, uh, don't be like those people that pray at church. Um, and this is something we do all the time. We devote special time to our prayers. And uh, so what's the difference? What's the difference between what, what, what Keola did today, right? I'm going to pick on Keola. Um, he prayed for our church. And Jesus is warning were we being hypocrites? Is Keola being a hypocrite? Um, I don't think so. Uh, like, actually, if you're like me, you can probably see how uncomfortable he was. He's like, okay, this is a sacrifice. You, you know, he's being intentional. Like, okay, I'm doing this to serve God. But this wasn't like 
it wasn't like a place of comfort for him where he was trying to draw attention to himself. His intention was to present the needs of the congregation before God. So why are you praying? Jesus said that hypocrites, they love to pray because they love to be seen by other people. Right? And, and they receive what they want. Right? They get it. They, they get, get what they're praying for. Ultimately, people notice them. People see them. That's not what prayer is meant to do. Prayer is not a tool to draw attention to yourself. It's a way to move closer to God, to have, have your heart and God's heart to align themselves. And, and, you know, I thought that I had good reasons for making my public faith stand at See You at the Pole way back 30 years ago or however many years ago it was. Um, 29 years ago, or I think. But anyways, uh, sorry, math. Uh, but ultimately, what I was doing wasn't really about prayer at all. It wasn't about like me giving my cares to God, my concern for my fellow students to God. Um, it was about uh, it was about me and the perception of myself I wanted to project onto the world. Right? It was all about me. So I was what I was being a religious hypocrite. So those are, those are one types of people Jesus said don't be like, and the other type of people. They said to believe, not be like, was like the opposite. We're pagans, people that are committed to other faiths. And he warns against praying for like pagans who use prayers like formulas, right? If only they say the right words, if only they ask the right way, if only they beseech the right God, they will be heard and God will answer them. Now, there are a couple of things that can be said about the ways that the, that um, the pagans, and that was a very broad term, um, prayed. One was they were approaching prayer like magic. Right? It's a way to manipulate reality. Prayer isn't magic. right? So it, it is not to bend reality to the way that you want it to be. Sometimes we, we, we act like that. right? Our, our prayer is just to make, re make real what we want. So we get what we want. But prayer is not magic. It does not change the fabric of reality to suit our desires. Um, yes, we should pray for our needs. We should pray expectantly for our needs. We've talked about that. We should pray hopefully, making our requests known before God. But ultimately, ultimately, it's not about changing the world so that we can have what we want. It's about aligning ourselves and our desires with God, and what God wants to do in this world. We do not give long, elaborate prayers to God uh, so that God to let God know what we want to get God to agree with us, to convince God to be on our side. He already knows what we want. He's already on our side. We don't need to inform God. And it's okay. So it's okay if we forget something when we pray. That's actually the big, one of the big things that like whenever people are up here um, doing the prayers for the people, I know that I, whenever I do it, I'm always nervous I'm going to forget somebody or leave somebody out. Um, or I'll mishear somebody and I'll say completely the wrong name or pray for the wrong thing. But God still knows. God still knows what we need. And this might sound, sound, I'm saying this in a controversial way, but there's no power in prayer. Or, or more clearly, prayer has no power in and of itself. The only power that's demonstrated through prayer is the power of God. Okay? What, I'm, what we're doing when we're praying isn't making anything happen. God makes things happen. God shows up. And so we're not to pray like the pagans, and we don't have to pray the right words for God to hear us or make the right type of request 
to let God know about our needs. As it says in Isaiah uh, 65, 24, before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. God hears us. So if we're not praying for what we want, then why do we pray? We pray to let go, to let go of our worries and our cares and our desires and our hurts. Okay? We pray to give them to God, to release them and to, to God, and to trust that God will do what's best, even if we don't understand, even if we don't know. To affirm that God is working for the fullness of his kingdom, right? And to align ourselves with his will and his purpose so that we can approach life full of the power of his spirit, right? unhindered by those things, right? We say what we want to happen, but we give it to God so that God can make what happens going to happen. Prayer isn't a tool to show off or a trick to get what we want. It's communication with God. It's making yourself open to God, right? It's intimate. Uh, Jesus offers a sharp contrast to public prayers, um, right? You're right? Jesus uses hyperbole because he prayed publicly all the time. Um, but instead of making an exhibition of your prayers in the most public places, go to your closet. Go to the most private place in your home. And talk to God there. Go to where your prayers can be the most intensely personal and intimate. Where can your prayers be the most intentionally purposeful, personal, and intimate? Make space in the most private parts of your life where God can meet you. And that's why we pray. We pray to join ourselves to God, to commit ourselves to God's purposes and the ways. It's, not, it's where we learn, not my will, but thy will be done. And this requires making space in our prayers to hear from God. Right? Prayer is communication with God, and that means it's not just us talking. We need to give room for God to respond to us, even to initiate some things, to put things on our hearts. As much as Jesus publicly prayed, he continually made space privately to pray. All right? Mark 1, 3 through 5. Sorry, Mark 1, 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Mark 6, 45 through 46. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida, where he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went to a mountainside to pray. Luke 6, 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and to spend the night praying to God. Luke 9, 28. Once Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? And again, and again in scripture, Matthew 26, Luke 22, Matthew 14, Luke 11, Jesus goes, he makes space in silence and solitude and to pray. Even, even, during, even up to his crucifixion and arrest, he made space in his life to withdraw and to commune with God, free from the distractions of the world where he can be the most vulnerable. Spending time away in private prepared and equipped him to more fully engage in the work of the kingdom. Um, this is part of Jesus' example of how to pray. Spend time in quiet solitude with God. And I would challenge you to, uh, to spend some time, some time to sit alone in silence. You know, yeah, sure, do your regular place, say what you need, but then remain in that posture of silence for a few minutes. Open yourself up to God. Let the Holy Spirit speak into your hearts. Sometimes it might be words. Sometimes it might be, uh, you know, just like convictions. 
Um, honestly, uh, my, my call, um, many of you guys know, I was a, I was a public high school teacher. Um, my call to leave that job and, and prepare for ministry um, came from, from a deep sense of conviction and urgency after a time of listening to God. I'd already felt the call to ministry. I, um, I felt it, you know, back whenever I was a teenager. Um, and, but I always kind of thought it would be later when I got old. And uh, um, I, 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 I joked, and many, many, many pastors find this funny, but I thought it was going to be my retirement plan, right? I would go, I'd teach in the public school, and then I would retire from teaching, and then I'd get into ministry. Um, but there was some time, and I, I spent it praying, and I felt like God was asking me, why do you keep putting off your, this call? Why do you keep putting off this call? Um, and I just started feeling like, huh, maybe this is time to start doing it. Uh, I loved being a teacher. Teacher, I loved it. But I just started feeling a pull in my heart. Right? And it wasn't God's audible voice or anything like that. It's more like a conviction that kept forming in my heart, getting louder and louder. And I was forced to eventually just deny it or to accept it. And I chose to accept it. Um, when we're quiet, when we give ourselves space and time to be quiet, we become confronted with our fears and our insecurities and our doubts. And then we can choose what do we do with those. We can hold on to them or we can let them go. And when we let them go, we open ourselves up to what God wants from us. Um, now, I, I heard this secondhand, um, but I don't remember this in his book, but um, uh, Peter Cesaro, he's a pastor uh, and the author of Emotional and Healthy Spirituality, very good book. Um, and there's a whole bunch of like spinoffs of that book. But he said that there's a there was a point in his life when he realized that all of his prayers were really about fear and the loss of control. Have you, have you related to that? <laughs> that all of his prayers are really just about fear and his fears and his desire to control situations. He had to learn to be silent, to give himself time to be quiet and to reorient himself so that he can align his heart and his will with God's will. Too much of our lives are ruled by fear and the desire to be in control, right? And so I think sometimes that's why whenever we pray, we just end up talking a lot. We don't spend very much time in quiet listening. But in silence, we can release our will to God and accept his will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And, and so I encourage you to, to, and challenge you to just spend a few minutes every day in purposeful, meaningful, silent prayer. Yeah, say your other prayers. You know, do, do whatever your regular prayer routine is. If you don't have a prayer routine, get a prayer routine, start praying. Um, but then give yourself three minutes or so of silence and let God fill your spirit up. And it might be hard. You might need an anchor word or a phrase, something to help you reset if your mind strays. I have a few things that I often use whenever I'm trying to be quiet and I kind of like, you know, thoughts just go where thoughts go. Um, so I'll, but I'll, when I find myself thoughts drifting off, you know, I'll say something to myself like, uh, that will be done. Um, or I say holy a lot in my prayer, just holy, you know, holy, and just kind of reorients me back to being purposefully silent, or sometimes it's just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Try this. Let yourself request. Try it twice a day. 
perhaps in the morning or the afternoon. Um, so not, so late at night doesn't work too well because you often drift off to sleep and it's okay because you need to sleep. Um, but uh, it's, it's good to kind of have those touch points to orient yourself to God. Uh, and let's call it a three-minute challenge. Three-minute challenge, do your regular prayers, you know, however you regularly pray. You pray the Lord's Prayer or use like the Acts thing or, or whatever. But then just spend some time quiet. And let yourself be filled up with the presence of God. Let yourself be, feel the quiet. Let yourself feel the emptiness sometimes. Um, the, the let yourself feel yourself retreat so God can take up more room. Spend some quiet time saying Jesus, Jesus. And, and let yourself hear God. And you might be tired of me hearing me say this because I say this all the time, but I say it because it's true. How do you know if God's talking to you? How can you tell if a feeling comes from God? How can you discern a path you're being led to walk? And how do you discern if it's from God? You ask yourself, does it sound like Jesus? Right? That's how you discern. We make it too complicated sometimes. The Father and the Son look alike. So if you want to know if you're being led by God, ask yourself, is what you're feeling or hearing like Jesus? Right? Is it loving? Is it self-sacrificial? Is it concerned with the least of these? Is it aligned with scripture? Is it gentle? Is it humble? Is it giving? Is it rooted in trust of God and his kingdom? All right? Just ask yourself that. I'm convinced that we hear from God a lot. Okay? We hear from God a lot. More than we let ourselves realize. Um, because I know that there are times every day when I'm faced with situations where I can choose to respond with love or fear or desire to control. I can, I can respond with, with, with anger, or I can respond with acceptance. I can respond with, with love. And following that more Christ-like way is hearing from God and responding to it. It's being able to even sometimes see that more Christ-like way. That's hearing from God. So give it a try. Try, try, try spending at least three minutes twice a day in quiet prayer, giving you a chance to hear and discern the call of God. Maybe you'll even get an audible voice. That's happened to me like twice in my life, but um, usually it's, it doesn't. More likely, it'll just be an invitation. You'll fear, feel your feelings, and you just let them go. Sometimes you let them go like this, you know, like... But you just keep on practicing, opening those hands and letting those things go. And you do this so you can be involved and empowered to do God's kingdom building work of loving and restoring his creation. So that is my hope for you today. Let's pray. Lord, you are good and we trust in you. Lord, I do pray that we can learn to silence ourselves, Lord. Train us to silence our hearts, to silence our, our, our fears, to silence our sorrows. Um, not by squishing them down, but by giving them to you. And open us up so that we can receive your call, so we can hear your prompting, so we can feel the leading of your spirit. 
that our lives might be changed to more reflect you and your kingdom reality so that we can join you in doing your good work here on earth, Lord. In Christ's name, amen.